Artificial intelligence has become so essential to our daily lives that the debate around ethics, responsibility, safety, and who controls it has become more urgent than ever before. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show or any of the National's podcasts, please do subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio content. With me is Kelsey Warner, the National's Future Editor. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. Okay, so basically, I mean, this is artificial intelligence has become essential to our daily lives. Yep. The debate, you know, around ethics, responsibility, regulation, policy, safety has become more urgent than ever before. And we are building the cars. We are cruising down the road really fast. And that is very evident when you talk to people at the tech companies about how ad hoc the decision-making process has been. And interestingly, they are holding their technology to their community standards. So uh, a user on Facebook is as um, accountable to their community standards as their, um, you know, algorithms are. Last month, Facebook ran a program that trained 50 sort of high aspiring, promising last year high school students in artificial intelligence. So I wanted to speak to Facebook about, you know, training the next generation on AI and really what their priorities are in running these sorts of programs in this region. Okay, so who did you speak to at Facebook, Kelsey? So I spoke to Azam Alamadine, who's the director of public policy at Facebook for MENA in Turkey. Let's listen to that now. Azam, thank you for speaking with me. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So you joined Facebook a year ago as its director of public policy covering the Middle East, North Africa, and Turkey. Facebook is a U.S. company, obviously, subject to the policies of the American government, but its reach extends, of course, beyond those borders. A little more than a third of humans on the planet use Facebook each month. That's 2.8 billion people in more than 160 countries. Outside its home country, Facebook is under the watchful eye of governments who seem to be grappling with how to handle the scope of tech companies today, as well as at the same time really harness their potential for their own economies and their people. So what is the role of a public policy director at Facebook in the region that you're focused on? Like, What is your job is basically my question. So the public policy team at Facebook is responsible for building the public policy strategy across the region, as well as collaborating with key policymakers, leaders, civil society, and academics to build key engagement programs with the purpose of protecting our platform, building safe community for users, delivering socioeconomic value, and uh, indeed identifying new opportunities to connect people and give a voice to the voiceless. So what are your top priorities in this region specifically? So the way we look at uh, uh, our role in this region, uh, it's really uh, two pillars uh, which we base our work on. Uh, One is the integrity of our platform, so ensuring the safety of our users and indeed the safety of our platform itself uh, through the proper um, application of our community standards in terms of Um, combating misinformation, hate speech, uh, fake news, and so on and so forth, Uh, and and making this platform uh, available uh, for everyone, um, you know, regardless of where they come from, what needs they may have, and so on. So it's the building community part of it. 
Um, the second pillar of, in order for us to, to make sure that we're, we're doing that, we, we are also operating um, in an ecosystem of regulations, legislations, and decisions that impact our uh, operation, obviously. Um, so we strive to always build those bridges to make sure that this regulatory and legislative ecosystem is conducive to the growth of our platform, uh, uh, but also um, uh, ensuring you know, the privacy of our users is protected, ensuring that um, accessibility is, is uh, enhanced, whether it's internet accessibility and connectivity, um, through uh, the products that we develop as a company and make available for our users or through our partnerships in this ecosystem. And there are also uh, a few other um, legislative and regulatory items that, uh, that are of utmost importance for us, obviously, um, including e-commerce related regulations, including um, uh, human rights, uh, if you will, intersection with our platform uh, and ensuring that, as I said, uh, people have the right to use the platform in a safe uh, and, and secure manner. So access to information as a, as a human right, as a, accessibility as a basic tenet of Facebook. Indeed. Last month, Facebook and the UAE's National Program for Coders teamed up to host Facebook AI Camp in a kind of public-private partnership to train students on digital skills and programming languages. It is part of kind of wider national efforts to involve more local programmers in the UAE's digital transformation. So the UAE wants coders, but does Facebook want programmers outside of its Mountain View HQ? Or what is the aim of an initiative like that for Facebook? Well, we are committed to leveraging AI to help build communities throughout the entire region. So the National Program for Coders at the UAE, which is key because of its openness to work with the private sector and, uh, uh, and a central hub uh, for the region for us, uh, is, was, was one of the key and new initiatives we have in the region. Um, and our collaboration with the National Program for Coders uh, was basically uh, to launch Facebook AI Camp for the first time, uh, as I just said. Um, and what this program really consisted of uh, is um, support the AI ecosystem in the UAE through a camp that started on the 15th of August. Um, with the first two weeks offering students access to AI courses and lectures to help them build their digital skills and train them to programming on programming languages. Uh, and then following uh, these two weeks, um, students uh, will have access uh, to a series of sessions and activities to learn more about the AI landscape in the UAE and the world. Uh, and these sessions uh, uh, will include, uh, you know, access and, and uh, exposure to Facebook AI recruiters, startups, and uh, it will also include, they will also include participation in the 
PyTorch Developer Day. Can you speak a bit more about just the motivation to train more people in this region on AI? I mean, part of AI's development is a concern around bias. Is getting a more diverse you know, group working on thinking on these topics a priority for Facebook? Yeah, so AI indeed is, uh, is, is revolutionizing, if you will, technology and innovation the way the internet did uh, several years ago. And uh, we believe AI, uh, whilst it is the future, it is also essential uh, for, uh, for us uh, on multiple counts. So, for instance, for connecting people across borders and unblocking opportunities um, that could not be uh, unblocked without AI. For instance, um, connecting people across different languages uh, around the world. Uh, AI powers 20 billion translations every day, to give you an example. So people can connect to anyone in their native language. We also have uh, AI to enhance the e-commerce experience in the marketplace. So there is this also business support, if you will, uh, to, our, uh, to, to all businesses, uh, particularly in this case, uh, micro and small businesses, uh, which, which get to, to benefit from AI in, uh, in new ways that had not been available before. Um, and the, because it makes it, it sim- simply makes it easier for potential buyers and sellers to connect. Right, this um, idea of surfacing content. I want to speak more about AI since we're, we're switching gears here. It's useful for gauging the sentiment of content. AI can label a given post as happy or sad, funny or angry. It can also be used to prioritize content that is deemed more trustworthy or fact-based or relevant to the user, kind of as you were just alluding to. Um, For Facebook, its newsfeed is where this kind of all plays out, the newsfeed where we all kind of arrive when we first open the app. There is evidence that an angry or fearful Facebook user is a more engaged Facebook user. But can you speak to this relationship between our newsfeed or the content that Facebook is serving us, how it makes us feel? and just our overall use of Facebook, can AI play a role in this relationship and in this conversation? And what's the responsible use of AI in this conversation? That's a great question. And it has uh, multiple angles to it. Let let me uh, take one angle at a time. So the first angle is the relationship with our users. What's very important to note here, I I spoke a little while ago about the safety of our users. And and AI is is very important for us in uh, uh, being a powerful tool to combat misinformation, hate, bullying, and uh, and, uh, uh, incitement uh, on our platform. So I'll give you a quick example and then maybe pick up a couple of other angles to this. Uh, In the last five years, we've seen multiple categories of violating content go from 0% proactively detected to 97% or higher, found first by our AI systems. Um, The other uh, angle, I guess, uh, in, in, the co- in the relationship with, uh, with our users um, is 
how uh, AI creates uh, in, in our family of apps in general, makes them inclusive to all users. So with different abilities, including uh, users with physical uh, challenges. So for example, it enables them to do otherwise impossible things. Uh, we provide uh, AI generated descriptions to visually impaired people, enabling to engage with Facebook photos that otherwise they can't see. Um, what does that look uh, like in practice? I haven't seen that, that product. Yeah, it's actually available. Um, so, so there is another product also for uh, for people with audio difficulties where it shows the subtitles. The one for visually impaired, it uh, they can hear uh, what, what a description of what's on the screen. Yeah, so I I really wanted to talk to you about just responsible the use of responsible AI as it relates, you know, to the newsfeed. Um, and and this idea of sentiment and and what it makes users feel and can we can we build machines that you know make us feel better and not worse and how does that increase our engagement or not? Um, it seems like we live in a world now where engagement around anger and fear is really what drives traffic and that feels like a dangerous place to be. So. Is there a role for, you know, the use of responsible AI, the responsible use of AI to to come in and begin to, you know, turn the tide on that fear and anger uh, traffic building? I think uh, as our engineers who work in a department uh, within AI, which we call responsible AI, uh, would be uh, best placed to address this uh, in, in more, more comprehensively. But uh, happy to share with you some more details on, on that narrative in particular uh, after this uh, conversation. Sure. So I, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the New York Times story last week that reported that Facebook users who had watched a video from a British tabloid featuring black men saw an automated prompt from the social network that asked if they would like to keep seeing videos about primates, causing the company to investigate and disable the AI-powered feature that had pushed the message. So it was a quick action by Facebook. A spokesperson immediately responded with a comment that it was an unacceptable error. And I'm, I'm quoting her here. She said, it's not perfect and we have more progress to make. Uh, I'm curious to know from you, what is in place at Facebook to safeguard users from the imperfections of AI? Yeah, so um, there the main thing about AI in this case is as you train the machine to detect um, un unacceptable uh, content that is not compliant or, uh, or consistent with our community standards that I mentioned to you, you can never get it 100% right. So the company consistently and uh, progressively improves our accuracy of this first line of defense, which is AI. But, but there is a second line of defense, which is also human review. AI, if AI is the first line of defense, then any content that is either not really detected by AI 
or is in a gray area, if you will, according to AI's understanding, or even importantly reported by users uh, or by our own reviewers uh, at Facebook, then the second line of defense would be um, uh, the human reviews. And this in turn feeds again back into improving our AI's reading of similar future content, if that makes sense. But another thread of real human participation that Facebook has brought in is its external oversight committee to make binding decisions on content removal and who uses the platform. Mm -hmm. Just a really interesting development over the last year. Um, One of the most well-known decisions was earlier this year when it upheld the decision to suspend Donald Trump from Facebook and Instagram following the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. I'm wondering, do you see the advisory board having a say in the responsible use of AI or Facebook setting up a separate advisory board for policymaking around AI? So this uh, board, the oversight board, uh, the way it operates is, uh, it, as you rightly mentioned, it works independently and it can look into cases that are brought to its attention by users or uh, by Facebook by by us if we need an independent uh, decision, and it's it's across different disciplines. So it's anything related to our uh, community standards and operation. Um, if in the future, because AI is still evolving, as you know. So as we speak today, um, this is this is part of the coverage of oversight board in cases where it goes to to their attention. The future, you never know. Azam, thank you so much for joining me today and for answering my questions. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So that was Azam Alamadine of Facebook talking to you, Kelsey. Uh, the hypothesis for AI, it seems, is that it is helping us every day. It's bridging cultures. It's crossing borders. It's creating accessibility for those with special needs and just helping us do things better, faster, longer. Sure. Yeah. But then flip it round. <laughs> exactly. Which is what I always write. What is the per- pernicious underbelly of this conversation? Which is there are these instances of bias, of racism, whatever you want to call it. But as we sort of build this car as we're careening down the road of AI, we need to be thinking about okay, the information we're getting is increasingly more relevant, more usable, but how is it being built? How are we harnessing it? Is it for good? And and what are the priorities? And and I think that that's really the issues that we want to get into and understand. Um, and and this is the point that uh, Facebook has the keys to this is using it every day. Uh, not just them. It's not just Facebook. There's all the big tech companies, but that's a Silicon Valley point of view of AI. And then we have what China's doing with AI. We have what India's doing with AI. We have what we're doing here in the Middle East in the UAE. And I wonder um, if the you know the human equation, which is humans have built the AI, that our bias, our underlying bias, our geographical bias, where we're from, who we are, um, will will filter through, will seep through, and so it will be imperfect. It will potentially be dangerous. It is a mirror of us in a lot of ways. And and, and humans need a lot of policing. <laughs> yes, constant, constant, and so. What Facebook is doing, I I think, at least with their oversight board in terms of flagging issues on an ad hoc basis and, you know, making binding decisions as to what 
Facebook should allow, we are going to see increasing cases of AI being flagged. It will not just be content and issues of free speech and human rights. We are going to get into ethical AI. We we already are, but but expect to see it more and more. Yeah, I mean, it's a the bun fight. The problem with the bun fight in the states is it's over who has control, and and Facebook and other big tech companies are saying no, we will be responsible. Let us keep control. And then there are elements in, in government and elsewhere saying, no, no, you have to take control away. There's no point deciding who controls it unless we come up with a, a vision for what it should look like. Um, you know, there's, there was a lot of philosophy, um, you know, the age of enlightenment and all of that that kind of came up with what is what should modern human uh, civilization look like? You know, we're not going to be Genghis Khan anymore. We've got to be something different. And so for AI, we need that. And I wonder if, um, you know, here, and we talked about this in the Middle East, in the UAE, because there's so much diversity for a number of reasons people from all over the world coming to, to live here and work here but if we're developing ai here that maybe we can come up with this more diverse less bias sure it's it's a great test bed it's a um, defensible test bed for this technology and it is heartening to see programs expand to bring this type of curriculum and this type of understanding to students um, i think we still need to pay attention to who's holding the keys I don't want to be down on Facebook or critical of Facebook, but the overarching message, my takeaway from today is a priority of access. And the more people who have access to Facebook, that will improve their algorithms. That's a very big leap of faith that those algorithms will be improved by just greater amounts of data. If they are already struggling with these ad hoc issues of just sheer content, if we're net then Making, taking a step further and trying to police machine learning and, you know, algorithms. Are we really ready to do that? Are we ready to face that sort of challenge? It is so complex, so complicated. And I am really skeptical that greater access and more data at this moment in time is exactly the right way forward. Uh, the simple answer is we have to. Exactly. <laughs> Let's leave it there. Kelsey Warner, thanks so much. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan. Please do join us again next time. Mm-hmm.